Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Welcome back, everyone, to another amazing episode of Market Impact Insights. You know, a real opportunity for organizations for competitive advantage is how to better leverage intelligence from the marketplace. And we are in a time of tremendous data availability, but one cornerstone of any successful organization, particularly from a marketing strategy perspective, is getting better insights about customers about buyers, what are their needs, and to base that intelligence on actual data and research. And that's how you get the major impact. And we're going to explore this area of opportunity around buyer personas with a passionate expert. Jim Krause is president of the Buyer Persona Institute. And this is all about understanding how buying decisions are made, understanding the needs of prospective buyers. The Buyer Persona Institute works with B2B companies around the world, helping them get better insights into what their prospective customers need to know and what they need to experience before buying products and services. Jim has more than three decades of experience managing market research teams. He knows this inside and out, and he's going to help really identify the true opportunity to, again, have that breakaway competitive advantage built around buyer personas. Jim, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Uh, Hey, Dan, I appreciate it. So glad to be here. So I really want to start out and better understand you have this deep and broad background in market research, but what really sparked your interest, your passion to focus in this area of buyer personas? Yeah, you know, that's an easy one for me. You know, I spent my whole career really in the market insights, market research business trying to understand markets, trying to understand buyers, trying to understand customers uh, for organizations to help them make uh, better marketing and business decisions. And buyer personas, my real interest in this uh, started probably 10, 15 years ago when just doing a lot of research in B2B markets and particularly around high consideration buying decisions, right? Where these are products and services Mm -hmm. that typically take a certain amount of time um, to make, and there's multiple decision influencers, and there's a lot at stake, et cetera. And one of the things that I found was working with marketers is a lot of times they were kind of roaming around in the dark, trying to make decisions and develop strategies and messaging for their products and services. And they really didn't have any fact-based insights really to make those decisions. They were ta- making best guesses. Mm-hmm. Um, so my passion really revolved around just really enjoying uh, developing market insights and then buyer personas specifically being able to equip marketers and sellers with fact-based insights that really provides them everything they need to know to be successful. That's so that's really where my passion comes from. Yeah. And I know uh, myself being a marketing professional and, and I've been in and around and, and I've been in that scenario of really trying to get uh, what we thought was an accurate profile of our prospective customers. It's not easy. And so we've heard a lot about this uh, buyer persona, but what are some of the common misconceptions you think are out there? 
Yeah, the biggest one by far is just a definition of what an impactful buyer persona is, right? So um, the simplest way I can describe it is just to give you two definitions, right? The first definition is the one that many people have of buyer personas, which is you're basically profiling a role or a decision maker in a, in a buying decision, right? You're doing some type of work to understand a, a person, right? An avatar of a fictional person. So it could be what are they, their overall priorities? What are their challenges? You know, what is their education level? What information sources do they use? And that's all great and good. And it's very useful because you need to find these decision makers. You want to know something about them. But the real impactful buyer persona goes much farther than that. It, it is trying to develop buying insights around a very specific buying decision that uh, an organization is making. So as an example, buyer personas is, is, is really understanding the motivations behind a purchase, the goals behind a purchase and what you're trying to achieve, the fears and concerns that buyers have, all the decision criteria they're going to use to make that buying decision, all the steps in their buying journey. It's those type of buying insights around specific buying decisions that really defines what an impactful buyer persona can and should be. And it's a real difference maker to understand that distinction between a, a profile of a role or an individual and buying insights around a buying decision. Big difference. Yeah. So what you're saying there, it's not just a matter of sitting down, um, putting out a, a hypothetical name, Julie, Todd, throwing a title on it and and just subjectively trying to put a description around who that person might be. You're talking about actually looking at real buying scenarios, right? That buying environment, uh, buying process, and applying kind of real world information and data in constructing something a bit more comprehensive. Hundred percent. Yep. It's a it's a major difference. And the first can only take you for, so far. The second will literally inform every marketing and sales decision that you make. It's it's foundational insights. So if we're talking about creating personas that will have true impact, again, if you could just run through what are the most critical components to get to impact. Yeah. So the buyer personas and the methodology that we that we uh, that we use every day and that we we try to educate marketers on to to kind of adopt uh, is called the five rings of buying insight. And and there's five key areas you want to understand. So for anybody listening out there, think about the product or service that you're offering in the marketplace, maybe multiple ones, kind of focus on one in your mind. Right. And think about the actual buyer making the, the buying decision for that product or service. Here's the five things you want to understand. Number one is you want to understand what are the priority initiatives for that buying decision. And what I mean by that is what are the triggers? What are the things that are making buyers even start to look for your product or service at this moment in time, right? You want to understand what is even bringing them to the table. The second one uh, we call success factors. And these are the goals, the outcomes, the benefits. These are the things that at the end of the day, buyers need to achieve as a result of the investment they're making, right? You want to know what is it? What is the end goal here that they're even trying to get to? The third one is is called perceived barriers. Um, this is my personal favorite because it's one that's often overlooked, but it's so powerful. And perceived barriers are all the fears and concerns and trepidations that a buyer might have or will have just uh, making a purchase of this product or service with anybody, right? In other words, moving off the status quo. Or what are their barriers to doing, uh, making this buying decision with a specific type of provider that may have certain characteristics? 
the reason that's so important is because we know that um, the status, you know, preference for the status quo, fear of changing what you're currently doing is such a big, big uh, inhibitor for sales teams. You want to know what those barriers are ahead of time. The fourth one is decision criteria. And what this is, is these are all the questions that buyers will use to make that specific buying decision. Not in general, very specifically. Again, think about your product or service. What are the ways that they're actually putting companies on their consideration set? What are the ways that they're narrowing down um, to you know, uh, winning down their choices? What are the ways they're making final decisions? You want to know what those questions are. And then the fifth and final piece of your buyer persona is buyer's journey. And that includes what are the steps in, specific steps in their journey to make that buying decision? What are the information sources they're using and they're trusting? And who are the key decision influences and what are those roles? If you step back and think about all those five areas of insight, that will literally inform your marketing strategy, your messaging, your positioning. Um, it will have implications for sales. It'll help sales enablement. Um, and we often find these personas also impact your product folks because it will help you understand what are where are some potential gaps that you have or where there are some areas that you have real competitive differentiation. Yeah, as you were describing those components, one thing that is uh, real is that this is a dynamic environment we're in and constantly changing. It's evolving. So is it correct to assume that you can develop that persona, utilize those components, but that's a snapshot in time. And so there is this constant reevaluation, maybe updating, tweaking, because for example, barriers, what's a barrier today may still be a barrier, or maybe there's other barriers that come into play a year, two years, three years from now. Yeah, no question. I, a common question that we get is, you know, how often should you update your personas? And my answer is always, it depends. It depends on the market that you're in. It depends on the particular offering and buying decision. Some markets are pretty, they're mature. They don't change all that much. That would argue you probably don't need to update your persona all that much. Other markets, particularly in technology markets, as example, um, the market is changing all the time. There's new competitors. There's new ways of, of achieve. Uh, new ways to achieve a certain goal that an organization is looking for. And those cases, as you mentioned, those are times that you really need to say, hey, wait a second, this we need to update our persona here. Things are shifting. Yeah. And of course, in getting the information that allows you to build out the personas across those different components, there's an opportunity to do real market research, right? To get make it a database type of build. So can you talk a little bit about where research does come into play and, and just that development process within that framework? Yeah, 100% the way to go here is um, to develop the buyer personas that I'm talking about is you want to go out and talk to recent buyers and interview them. And what I mean by recent buyers is these aren't necessarily your current customers, right? Current, your current customers, they have inherent biases, good and bad. What you want to do is talk to recent buyers that have made the exact same buying decision um, that you're trying to influence. So, you know, let's say you you um, you sell CRM software as one example. You want to go out and find people that have recently uh, made that CRM buying decision in the last 12 months. These may be some of your current customers, but there's a good chance there's going to be a lot of them that aren't. And that's okay because you want to interview buyers that you would have wanted in your mm -hmm. sales pipeline, because that is a market-based buyer persona. 
Now, the interviews you want to do are a little different than the standard interviews that you may experience if you've done qualitative research, et cetera. The interviews you want to do are a little bit more journalistic in nature. You know, they are 30, 40 minute interviews that you want to do, but there's really only one scripted question you want to use at the very beginning of the interview. And that is, take me back to the day when you first decided that you needed X and X is whatever product or service we're talking about and tell me what happened. And from there, you want to literally peel back the onion step by step to understand all the steps in that buyer's journey from that moment in time until when the buyer made that final buying decision. And this includes understanding how did they even figure out who was going to be in their initial initial consideration set? How did they winnow down their choices? Um, what sources of information did they look to get? What were the key concerns that they had along the way? How did they... Um, eliminate providers from consideration? Um, how did providers get into the finalist set and how were the final decisions made? You know, it's only by taking them step by step through that process and listening really carefully and questioning and probing to get complete clarity on all these issues. Do you, can you really develop these insights? Because there's no better way to understand what is really going on with somebody in their organization than listening to their full story. I mean, that's how, that's the best way to communicate this information. And they will self-identify key moments of truth in that buyer's journey. And that's how all these insights are, are revealed. And these are the ones that are the most impactful. In your experience, Jim, have you found in, in that doing that research that the respondents are generally very open or willing to want to talk about, especially if they're not a customer of yours, but it, has it been a hard uh, effort to try to go out and get responses or generally people are motivated? They, they enjoy and they're engaged in talking about their process of going through and making um, a buying decision. Yeah, they love talking about it. Um, the, the biggest challenge is um, you know finding these folks, right? Because you want to find people that have recently made that buying decision. And you also need to find somebody that was heavily involved in the buying decision so they have the knowledge to have this type of conversation. You know, We typically use uh, qualitative recruiters that we have relationships with. That's one approach mm -hmm. to doing it. Um, other companies, if you're doing it on your own, you can definitely connect with those type of organizations to find these folks and they will help you find them. Um, once you find them and you get them on the and you get them on a, on a call or a video call, um, they're very, very transparent because think about it. You know, this is a buying decision that was very important to them. Um, it's not something they have to pontificate about. Right. You're not trying to ask them to dream up how they might have thought or how they might be thinking. This is something they've actually gone through. Right. And, you know, there's. There's a lot of ebbs and flows, a lot of discussions in your organization. This is a complex buying decision. They enjoy talking about it, right? They like to tell you about what happened because they're, they sense right away that they're delivering real value to you, right? Because you're, you're literally listening on bated breath and asking them probing questions. So it's something they actually enjoy doing quite a bit. So once you're successful in going gathering this data from your existing customers or non-customers or prospects... Once you have those personas built, are there some best practices on what you actually do with those personas? Yeah. So I guess let me answer that question in two ways. Uh, the first way is um, once you have the buyer persona that I'm talking about, you have these buying insights. And I should also mention here that with um, a, the buyer persona, not only will you have these insights in the five areas we talked about, you will also have an abundance of buyer quotes so that you really can get in the mind mm -hmm. of these buyers and really understand them. So right just from that alone, um, 
what you do with those insights will almost be self-evident if you're a marketing and sales professional, right? You're going to go to all your existing marketing assets and strategies and take a reevaluate them to make sure that they make sense and they're really hitting the mark. You're almost going to be compelled to rethink your messaging to say, hey, are we really nailing this? What are we missing? What can we adjust? You're going to have all types of thoughts about how you can use these insights to better enable your sellers to, over, uh, sellers to overcome objections, to figure out what are some good conversation starters. So I will assure you that these buyer personas are um, so useful that you'll be, um, it'll almost be obvious what to do with them in that respect. So that's the first part of this. The second thing I can, I can recommend to you is an exercise where you're taking, if you think of a Venn diagram, a simple Venn diagram where you have two intersecting circles. The, let's say the left hand, the left circle is everything that buyers want and expect to be confident in their buying decision. That is your buyer persona, right? Now you've done the work and you know everything that buyers want and need to feel good about making this decision, what they feel good about, um, the provider that they want to choose. The right-hand circle is what is this is the piece of work you want to do. And these are your organization's capabilities. You want to map everything buyers want need to your organization's capabilities. Do that exercise, right? Go one by one and literally say, what are the things my company can do, our features, our capabilities, our offerings to match up against what buyers want and need? And just rigorously do that. Um, do it objectively. Um, you know, try not to do it, you know, uh, you know, trying to put yourself in a better position, be really honest about that activity and then go through them and figure out, okay, now we have all these capabilities. Where are there opportunities here for us to really differentiate ourselves? By doing that exercise, by mapping those two things, the intersection of those two things, what's going to happen is you're going to identify, typically when we do this with our clients, we have an activation workshop we do with them. Typically when we do it with them, they will come out with five or six key message themes that really drive the overall marketing and sales strategy. These are things that you can develop campaigns around, you can develop thought leadership around, you can develop your messaging around. You can go to your sales force and say, here's five key areas that you should be talking about because we can assure you that buyers are going to be interested in it because we did the work and we've developed all the proof points, right? Because we've done this exercise. So that's that's a best practice type thing. If you can do that after you develop your buyer persona, you're just going to be you're going to be way ahead of the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And and I think what you're talking about is bringing that visualization in. So just the process of the visualization, and then becoming a bit crisper and getting to some sort of actionable or meaningful intelligence. Right? If it's about messaging. Uh, evolution uh, that is more compelling and can create the kind of behavioral response that you want in your outbound marketing. Exactly. Exactly right. It's just, it's the way I like to talk about it is doing that exercise just gets you one, st one huge step closer to actually taking your buyer persona from a, you know, an insight piece of work to something that you're actually using in the marketplace. And that's really where the magic happens, right? Because at the end of the day, I mean, what are we trying to do? We're trying to educate our buyers. We're trying to influence our buyers. So a persona in and of itself has no value. Using the insights has tremendous value. So if we think about these highly competitive markets, any of these B2B markets, uh, so intensely competitive, what do you think at the end of the day uh, is going to really be the difference that a company that invests in doing this work and what they're able to accomplish versus one that doesn't. 
Well, I tell you, the, the companies that invest in this work are going to have a huge advantage because if you think about a high consideration buying decision, you know, a B2B, a lot of them are that, or even consumer, some consumer decisions. As a marketer, if you kind of take a breath and really think about what you're trying to do and think about the buyer, if you put yourself in the buyer's shoes, what's going on here, right? They're they're trying to make a buying decision that they've either never made before, or if they have made it, they're not making it a whole heck of a lot, right? So there's going to be confusion, right? There's going to be concerns and fears and trepidations. Why a lot of a lot of times there is no decision because there is a lot of fear of the unknown type of thing. So now you've got a really a buyer that's already kind of confused a bit, trying to figure out what should I even focus on? What are the questions I should even be asking? Right. The other challenge that you have is that um, there's so much information coming at these buyers, right? It's coming in from all different places. So if you're an organization that does this buyer persona and really understands the buyer in a very intimate, deep way in the buying decision they're making. Now you've got the advantage of a, you know, being able to really align to their, the goals they really care about, the fears that they're really concerned about, and you are able to do it in a much more efficient manner so that when you are communicating with them, the buyers get the feeling like, wow, this company really gets it. You know, they get me, they get where we are, they get what we're trying to achieve. They guess they get why we're concerned about, we have concerns about what we're doing. And they're really doing everything they can to help us feel really confident in this decision. And if you can make a buyer feel confident in their buying decision and make them feel confident in making that going with you is, is the best choice for them, you're, you're there, right? You know, you, that, that's going to that's gonna equal a lot of wins. Yeah, absolutely. And we've been talking a little bit from an acquisition perspective but also if you're a SaaS organization, when we talk about retention, right? So it comes into play on both sides, doesn't it? 100%. In fact, we have um, we work with companies or we've seen companies also do buyer personas that are based on upsell and cross-sell things. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with doing a buyer persona where you're talking to your existing customer base because you're trying to land and expand. Or as you said, you're just trying to retain that business. So this overall thought process that we laid out can be used in different scenarios and you can define the buying decision any way you want, right? So the example you just laid out is is a valid buying decision or retention decision in this case. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so you're, you're probably seeing this come into play across a whole spectrum of different industries. This isn't just exclusively for a particular uh, type of business. I mean, this is very broadly applicable? Are there just some general examples out there where you see the intelligence you gain from investing in this process when it's being done right? Uh, where do you, where have you seen that make an impact just from an industry perspective, just that broad landscape? Yeah. So really what we've been talking about today can apply to any high consideration buying decision, right? So it's not the, you know, I'm buying a can of soup, right? Where I'm yeah. just like going in and I'm making a quick decision, right? This is something that it's a framework that can be used for any high consideration buying decision. Um, where we typically see it being used most effectively is uh, in technology markets, healthcare markets, certain financial markets. Really, it's it doesn't matter what the industry is as long as it's a high consideration buying decision. And I think where we see a lot of success happening um, with the folks that are using this approach and really applying it are those that first, they do the work, right? The second thing they do is they do a great job of socializing the insights in their organization. Um, Buyer personas 
can really bring marketing sales and product teams together in a in a beautiful way, right? You know, our favorite meetings is when we're doing readouts of personas and we have all those folks around the table because now all of a sudden the conversation isn't about what's marketing sales and products perspective. Now the conversation is around what is the buyer's perspective and oh gosh, we just did this work that now we really know our buyers and and that just brings everybody together in, in a great way. So that's where we see there that a, a lot of success happen um, is there's that integration across the organization. Yeah, that's a huge point you just made there, which is a common issue, challenge, certainly in the organizations I've been in, is the potential where there are silos. And, you know, that relationship, whether it's marketing to sales or, you know, just across the organization and different functions. And what you're talking about here is that investing and building the persona process is a catalyst for collaboration which is going to pay off big time in an organization. It's remarkable. It really is. Because when you do the work that we've been talking about is it's, un, it's irrefutable, right? It's fact-based insight. This isn't some, somebody's opinion. Um, this, is what, this is what's important to buyers. This is actually what they did. <laughs> and, and they're telling you what's important to them. And by having those insights and all those buyer quotes, and the buyer quotes work magic, right? Because now all of a sudden it's not, you know, you talking about it, it's the buyers talking about it, right? It just, it just leaps off the page, if you will, in terms of going through some of these results. Um, and it's just a great rallying point, right? Because now everybody's like, well, we can't ignore this. You know, we can try, but we can't, right? Because this is, this is what's going on. Yeah. Well, let's shift gears a little bit, Jim, you've got this uh, really strong experience as a leader of teams, uh, leader of organizations. What do you think truly separates exceptional leadership from just good enough? Wow, that's a, it's a big question. Um, you know, I will say, you know, having, you know, having bosses my own life that I thought were exceptional and, and maybe others that maybe weren't quite as much. And just thinking about the teams that I've led um, over the years, I think the biggest thing is really making sure that your team, the p people that you work with on a day-to-day basis, really understand the value that, that you're offering your clients and your buyers, right? It's, it, and also, not only do they intrinsically understand it, I mean, really understand it, but also you're empowering them to be able to help deliver that value. Um, it's so important because if they understand the value you bring, everything that they're going to be doing is going to be aligned to that, right? It doesn't become they're doing this task or that task. They actually can feel it and see it and feel great about the fact that they're contributing to it. And then empowering them is great because now they're getting excited about the work they're doing. They're going to end up being more creative. They're going to be able to think of things on their own that you hadn't thought of. So that's the, that's the biggest thing. If you can do that, then just all kinds of good things start to happen. I think what you're talking about there is really being able to get a team to move beyond a transactional mindset into operating with some sort of bigger purpose. 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So obviously you are counseling, you're offering advice to companies around the world to help them achieve better performance. I want to flip the script on you, Jim, and ask you, what's the best piece of business advice you have ever received? Um, 
that's an easy one for me. And that is to stop and think. So what's amazing to me is, and just my work with buyer personas over the last several years, I've seen a lot of this is working with marketers um, is stop and think about what you're really trying to do. And then think about what do you really need and what do you, what do you want to be doing to achieve that goal? Now, that sounds very parochial. It sounds very obvious, but it's not, right? So I'm going to use the example of marketers, right? Because a lot of times like in market, marketers are, they're running around so quickly because there's so much being asked of them in terms of developing marketing assets and nailing the positioning and the sales teams need this. And we have this campaign going out. We have this new advertising and it, it's a treadmill you can get, you can just get caught up in. If you stop and think about what you're really trying to do, what happens is it helps you really focus on the things that, that make the biggest impact. And what will also happen is it'll make you, I almost promise you, it'll make you probably adjust what you're doing. It may make you stop what you're doing mm-hmm. or do something differently. So, you know, as an example, you know, taking this back to buyer personas, you know, if you think about at the end of the day, if you're a marketer, what you're trying to do is educate and influence your buyers. That's a big statement, right? So if you really think about that and what you really need to be able to do that, that's going to impact a lot of the the, the actions and the things that, that you're doing. So I had an old boss that told me that a long time ago um, to stop and think what I was doing. And I remember when he said it to me, it was really refreshing because he was basically giving me permission to think about what I'm doing and not just take, take orders per se. Right. So that's a different maker. And that's from a career standpoint, that is going to make a huge impact on your career because now you're going to start doing things that make an impact on the business. Um, and people will take notice of that. You are so spot on with that because certainly marketing, it's not exclusive to marketing, but within marketing, uh, there often is this frenetic pace. You know, you're caught up, there are goals to hit, you know, whether you're trying to contribute to pipeline, there are KPIs, and that can just lead to this just frenetic activity. And we can be confused with success being some sort of volume of activity versus impact, which is what you're talking about, true impact. And just that discipline to say, hold on, we're going to hit the brakes. That's really hard to do when you're kind of in this endless loop of, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to check all these boxes. I'm, I'm working hard. I'm doing all this activity. But yeah, but that doesn't mean that you're making true impact. Yeah. And, and, and I know it's easier said than done, right? I mean, there's a certain amount of courage involved in that, right? So what I always say to marketers is, you know, a lot of what they're trying to do is they're trying to do it with one hand tied behind their back. I mean, if you think about it, right? If, if their ultimate objective is to educate and influence buyers, how can you expect them to do that well? or as well as they could, if you're not actually giving them insights about what buyers really want. I mean, sellers every day, they, they get a chance to interact with, with, with their prospective buyers. They're talking to them, understanding their needs, listening to them about what they're concerned about. You know, so they intuitively start to get a sense, at least in their, their, their little corner of the world and where they're operating, what's going on. Marketers don't have that advantage, right? They're, they're, I don't want to say they're making this stuff up, but I see marketers make stuff up all the time because that's all they have. So, you know what? Pause and say, look, we got to go talk to some buyers because you know what? That's going to impact everything that we're doing. Uh, nobody can argue that. Yeah. It's the ultimate credibility uh, when you're able to bring in real data insights. So 
when you think about the future, Jim, what makes you optimistic? You know, I, I was at a conference last week and, you know, it was a, it was a marketing and sellers conference. And I think the thing that makes me optimistic is just talk, continually talking to people that are in this profession and what they're trying to do, what some of their frustrations are, what some of their successes are. Um, everybody really has their heart in the right place. Um, and it's encouraging to me how folks are very open-minded to learning about new approaches and new ways of doing things and understanding that, you know, what, you know, we did five years ago, two years ago, even last year, isn't necessarily going to be um, applicable or the best approach going forward. So I think that's the thing that generally speaking gives me the most optimism is that there's generally a lot of openness to learning new things and figuring out how can we be viable in the future. So that's, that's probably the number one thing that gives me optimism. Adaptability, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as we wrap up our conversation, Jim, do you have any other final advice or resources that leaders can turn to in helping them develop these personas and to help elevate their team performance for strategic growth? Yeah, sure. So, you know, if, if anything that we've talked about today struck a chord or there's interest in learning more about these types of buyer personas, um, would encourage you to go to our website. It's buyerpersona.com. Pretty easy to remember. There's all kinds of resources there available to you. Um, we've got blogs that talk about the approach. We've got uh, persona templates um, you can download. We offer a master class to learn how to really do this. Um, so I'd encourage you to spend a little time there. Um, feel free to link into me, Jim Krause, or the Buyer Persona Institute on LinkedIn. We're always putting out um, different types of you know thought leadership materials and things that we try to make as a practical as we can to really help people. So those would probably be the two places I would point people to. Well, what an exciting opportunity to really, again, get sustainable competitive advantage and really use intelligence about your buyers uh, to help make better decisions. So Jim, thanks again for joining and sharing your wisdom and experience. I really enjoyed it, Dan. Thanks so much for having me. And a reminder to everyone to please continue to give the gift of feedback to help make this podcast better. You can do that. It's real easy. Go out to all the major podcast platforms. Let us know what you think. Uh, It's on Apple or Spotify, any of the major platforms where you are listening to the podcast. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.